I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like, Jokic. your sitter. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am your host, Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to the Denver Stiffs podcast channel on the SB Nation podcast network. It is Tuesday morning. We are gearing up for another night of Denver Nuggets basketball. They have the Minnesota Timberwolves coming in tonight. Uh, Before that, though, we need to get into the week that was... Uh, out in California, essentially, is where uh, where Denver's been since we left them last. Two games, one against the Los Angeles Lakers, and then a follow-up game against the Golden State Warriors. One win, one loss, a ooh, difficult loss to the Warriors for sure. A nice kind of satisfying win against the Lakers. To break them both down with me, I have Mr. Ryan Blackburn out in South Carolina. Ryan, what is happening? Not much, man. Had a good day today. Enjoyed enjoyed life on spring break now. So got a got a nice little relaxing time. That seems to be a theme every time I come on the pickaxe, man. I'm I'm just chilling out here in South Carolina. Just chilling. That's right. It's a theme when you only come on the pickaxe. It's not <laughs> just that you chill a lot in South Carolina. Never, uh, I, I miss, never do that to you. <laughs> I miss the days of spring break. You know when you got to have like. A week off. I miss that. Uh, nowadays, they don't. They don't give me spring break at work. It's just you know, you just continue, uh, continue on. I guess I do. I get vacation from time to time. So, yeah, we got a couple of cats, and so that's been that's been tying up my my time for sure. Uh, but they're they're great. They're they're devilish little blighters, if you if you know what I mean. But they uh, <laughs> they're cool. Ryan and his cats. The next segment here on Pickaxe Pundits. Can we make that a thing? Let's let's do it. I'm so down. You could, uh, Ryan. You have your own podcast, so you're more than welcome to take all of your creative <laughs> it's ideas. Nuggets there. numbers with Ryan Blackburn. If you've ever heard of it, please listen into the next episode. That'll be great. <laughs> Where Ryan breaks down his favorite cat uh, and why <laughs> it's the best for plus money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right enough dilly dallying let's get into it so we were uh we were talking pre-pop we're like we're not really gonna break down this this i mean lakers when i guess right do you have any quick takeaways from the win itself against the lakers like we we're saying it feels like it was so long ago uh the nuggets are in a completely different tier uh than the los angeles lakers when when the nuggets are on they are just a completely different team. And, and while the Lakers did have some injuries, I don't think the presence of Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma is going to really change anything. Uh, the Nuggets are a cohesive unit, and the Lakers are a dumpster fire. <laughs> to to put it lightly, I uh, if I had one thing to take away from the game itself was we finally got to see Gary Harris, you know, get his kind of get his groove back. He had been um, Gary had been pretty much. Really looks like he was still getting the rust off of his game. He uh, saved the day there when the Lakers came back, uh, and then and then Gary kind of slammed the door on him. What he got like eleven points in the fourth quarter, I think. So. Yeah, it was great to watch. It's Nuggets fans have kind of forgotten what Gary Harris is capable of. He is uh, an excellent player when he gets into his groove. I did a post on Denver Stiffs last week that basically break down the scoring for every player, and he, surprisingly, he was really really good in the pick and roll. Really down as a shooter this year, but he has really turned it around, and his presence, especially in the playoffs, could really help Denver. I'd like to point out now that's twice in the first four minutes of the podcast. Ryan has pitched his his stuff on uh, on the pod, so 
I'm a complete sure shill. <laughs> Make sure you guys are checking Ryan out. He really wants the clicks. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. It was, uh, you're absolutely right. Gary Harris is um, uh, a guy that I think a lot of us have forgot about. I've said it myself. I was like, man, I think Gary Harris is like the fifth best starter right now. Uh, just because he's, like I said, he's had that kind of rust uh, on him. But if you remember the beginning of the season, he was, you know, the second best player on the team. So um, we he certainly is- know he's got it in him. Unfortunately, he's in a position right now, especially in that starting unit, where he receives the least attention, I think, of any guy. Uh, Murray and Barton are usually the guys handling the ball. Jokic, of course, is the star. He's the playmaker and creator and primary scorer for the team. And Paul Millsap is the defensive anchor, and he gets a lot of the he gets a lot of the kickouts. He gets a lot of the open shots in this unit. Uh, teams know that they can't leave Gary Harris open, and are choosing not to leave him in favor of just defending the Nuggets straight up most of the time. So I think the mm-hmm. Nuggets would be really uh, they would benefit from using Gary Harris more in pick and roll sets, in putting both Will Barton and Jamal Murray off the ball, and letting them find their rhythm, letting them find their shot. Gary Harris has been a great playmaker with the ball in his hands, so it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to use him that way as the season rolls around. Yeah, certainly uh, I think definitely gives them at least another option uh, to, to initiate some offense. Uh, Gary's, of course, great off-ball. We know that, but we've seen now he's got that uh, in his game as well to be the kind of the, the playmaker with the ball in his hand. So, um I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him go that way a little bit more as they kind of integrate him uh, a little more. Get back to the Lakers, Ryan. You know, I, I think last year some people, people who even even in our own uh, group here at Stiffs, uh, might have made the argument that uh, the Lakers actually had the better core uh, than than Denver did. Now it, it's kind of funny. I mean, how how has it happened that they have just fallen uh, this far? Because now when you look at the two cores of these two teams, even if you don't, you know, you're not you're you're considering just like the young guys. Uh, I mean, it's there's there's just no comparison between the two. Yeah, I I would agree. Uh, The thing that I would really say about those guys is that, especially with the Lakers, they they have multiple young guys that do a lot of things well, but not enough things. Uh, Lonzo Ball is a very versatile player, but he has a very massive weakness or two that are going to continue to... Uh, hound him for the rest of his career as as a shooter, as a a playmaker off the dribble for himself. Uh, That's tough. Uh, With Brandon Ingram, he's not a great shooter from the perimeter, although he's he's starting to figure that out. He is not a good defender. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, not a good defender. He is a very inefficient player. Uh, When you have holes in your game... uh, especially around LeBron James and you, the biggest holes in your game are that you can't shoot. Then when you've got a guy in LeBron James who's going to want to handle the ball as much as he does, and you start to start Rajon Rondo next to him as well, who's also going to handle the ball, then things are going to collapse. And while they have been a decent defense for most of the year, their offense just isn't where it needs to be, especially if a LeBron James led offense. Right. Stuff. Yeah, it is. I, you know, I, what's I just I think there are a lot of guys that you were hoping were gonna like pan out this year just and take that next step. Haven't I mean when I look at that that Lakers core now, I mean who knows what's gonna happen with Brandon Ingram now with the the news about the, uh, um, I don't even what you would call it an illness I guess. It's uh, the thom- you know, thrombosis. Thrombosis. There you go. Exactly. Uh, uh, if you, uh, I mean, blood clotting obviously is a scary notion. Uh, anytime you see it, you know, obviously that's what, that's what ended Chris Bosch's career. So, um, you don't know where that's going to go, but I think Ingram just in general, like you said, he was starting to figure it out, but really, I mean, he was, he was a guy who was billed as going to be, you know, an excellent wing scorer, uh, a premier wing scorer in the league, really. That's why he went number two overall. It just hasn't, hasn't lived up to that, uh, to this, to this point. I think, you know, I mean, Kuzma, like you said, I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of Kuzma's game. I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat effective, but it's, it's inefficient and, and there's not a lot of defense to speak of. So it's, I mean, you know, inefficient one dimensional scores are, um, and they're all right. A guy when they can do it at the uh, well, at the it's, rate. It's not uh, a winning style does. of play. 
It's not a right, winning exactly. style of play when you when you want to contribute to a positive team. You've got a guy in LeBron James who's going to create with the ball in his hands. Uh, you've like if you're going to have a guy in Kyle Kuzma who's going to jack up shots, then the rest of the guys that you play, like it, it can work. It's it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but the rest of the guys that you play then have to make up the difference, and they don't really have the personnel to do that. Their center position is a disaster. They traded right. their best center for Mike Muscala. Like that right. was a really tough look for them, and. Their management has made a lot of poor decisions. Uh, Brandon Ingram, though, he was he was really starting to come around until this injury happened. So I'm really disappointed that that that's happened for him. Like he's has really scored the ball well over the last few weeks. So it's it's been tough to tough to see that he's been caught up in all this noise. Like I actually think that he still has a great future if he can get back on the court. Uh, Lonzo Ball, that's it's tough. He's missed so many games, and Kyle Kuzma, I just yeah. don't think he's a winning player. So, sorry. Right. I mean, Lonzo is probably the guy who would intrigue me the most in terms of his skill set. I still still think he's it could be an outstanding player. I just, um, but you mentioned the health thing. I mean, he's he's it's always it's and it's just been nagging injuries. You wonder if with guys like that, you know, if they'll ever really. I'll be able to give you full seasons just because it seems like they always get these uh, nagging injuries that make them lose, you know, miss out eight games here, 15 games there. Now suddenly Lonzo's going to be out, what, for a good uh, 20 or so games here to end out this season. So um, just well, like right, you said, it's tough. I could imagine deploying him as a backup long term. And as some, as a sixth man who comes in, he, he changes the defense a little bit. Uh, he gets you out in transition and moves the ball and creates easy shots for your reserves. And then when he's playing well, he closes games. When he's when he's not playing well, he, he sits the bench. And that's just kind of the role that I see him playing. But I think Lonzo can be a good player. I'd actually say that it's likely that he's going to end up being a good player in his time. But... There are just so many holes in his game right now that it's it's tough to craft a strong winning team around those young guys, and especially when the veterans that they brought in are just so bad. Just just yeah. everybody saw that coming. <laughs> right. Rajon Rondo, right. Cantavius Caldwell Pope, JaVale McGee, Michael Beasley, those are the guys that you said that right. were going Lance to Stevenson. Lance Stevenson. Those like you said that they were going to help you, that they were going to be high character veterans who were maybe misfits on another team but were miscast in that role. Bull crap. Come on, right. man. Mike Magic Come and, and Michael Rob Belinkla. Like they, they screwed that up so bad. They did. They absolutely did. They, uh, they. I think they overestimated their their cachet, uh, with these because they all want to get the. I mean, the who are you going to get to sign to these one year, uh, contracts? You're not not going to get uh, primo veterans, especially if they're going to do that. They're not going to do it with the Lakers. They're going to sign one year contracts with the Warriors. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is which is a great way to segue to our uh, to our next topic, which is the Golden State Warriors Nuggets, of course. Eugh, did not go well for them again. Yeah, Second game the in right a row, word. pretty much. Right. <laughs> Second <laughs> game in a row, they've pretty much been destroyed by the uh, uh, Golden State Warriors. This one was weird because they they got way way down. Uh, the starters were getting killed. Then the bench came in behind Monty Morris. Basically, came all the way back. Inexplicably, the bench decided that this was the game that they were going to show up for. It was right. it was bizarre uh, against the best team in the NBA because you want to know why? I think the expectations immediately went out the window at that point. It was just, hey, play within yourselves, and and we we don't care. We're probably going to lose this game anyway. And lo and behold, they they came back. It was right. great. Monty Morris, as right. you said, was awesome. I, uh, I also have a theory, you know, one of the theories I have, not not so in, inexplicably, was uh, Isaiah Thomas, more more so than any other time, I think, so far this season, played within the flow of the offense. I don't disagree. Uh, and really didn't force things. And so I, I wonder if that, you know, that, that to me might have a big uh, a big reason for why they uh, they looked so good there in that second quarter. And then, of course, they come back. by They were right there until what, maybe like the last three minutes of the second half or the first half. And... Uh, I think the um, uh, what was it like a fourteen nothing run by by the Warriors to close out yeah. the half, and, and you know it was, was the uh, the major problem in that stretch was the the Warriors hunted Nikola Jokic on defense. They right. they absolutely made sure that he was defending the ball, that he was put into positions where he had to cover a lot of ground. Like I found like, there were there was two possessions in a row where he was forced to guard Kevin Durant on on 
in on an island. And that's right. a win every time for the Warriors, even if Kevin Durant misses. Like, you know that that's, like, 90% of the time that ball is going through the net. Uh, and he's caught in caught in the paint when Steph Curry is coming out on a screen, and he's obviously going to make that three. Uh, Clay Thompson shot threes in his face. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, like, they did a great job of forcing DeMarcus mm-hmm. Cousins to shoot early in the game, but once DeMarcus Cousins was passing up shots and they just kept working the ball around to Durant, Thompson, and Curry, like, that's how you beat That's how you beat the Nuggets, is you, they don't have the one-on-one defenders and the team defense concept to really stick with them, and that's that's just too bad. Yeah, no, absolutely. It uh, They did a great job, really... They made Jokic the decision maker on defense, uh, pretty much every time down. It was they were gonna basically allow him to read the D, uh, and and whichever whichever choice he made was the, what they were going to exploit. And like you said, a lot of times it uh, ended up with him getting put out on an island, uh, unlike Kevin Durant. Um, <clears throat> a couple times, you know, he would just get caught out in space. I remember there's one play against with with Demarcus Cousins really uh, rolled. I mean, they they basically I think it was. Thompson would have the ball out at the top uh, and and coming off of a screen. And so Jokic is now in that decision-making where does he stick with his man? Does he go to help? So a couple times he goes to help out Thompson, of course, and then he can't recover in time uh, when Thompson just dumps the ball down to Cousins. So it... They did that. They did that pretty much um, all night. And you're right. That is that is the formula uh, to beat the Nuggets. Obviously, is to put put Jokic into the action uh, and and see what you're going to do. And, and boy, if you have Isaiah Thomas out there with them, that's when you really are. Uh, that's when you're really going to struggle. And they but had here's that the thing. For, here's for the thing. Bit. The Nuggets didn't help themselves by not scoring the ball offensively. They decided that or they were also going to throw the turnovers. ball. Around. Yeah, they were going to throw yeah. the ball around to do stupid crap like the entire time. Uh, that's that's not going to help you in these situations, and and that was the one area where Jokic really excelled, and the rest of the team didn't come with them. I uh, thought Will Barton had the worst game of his, not his, not maybe not his career, but pretty close. It was it was an right. awful display for him, and uh, Jamal Murray was not an impactful player at all. I thought he did a terrible job of getting players into the offense and, and helping the team execute. And Michael Malone basically said as much in the post-game conference. Uh, and then Gary Harris took two shots that game. And that's really the sign of a healthy offense is when Gary Harris is taking shots, it means that they're creating open shots. And if you're not creating open shots for one of your best knockdown shooters, then that's an issue. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. They, um, it was it was a sound beating. It really was, and and, and you it once again points to the gap, the talent gap between these two teams. So I'll, let me throw this out to you, Ryan. Uh, let's say the Nuggets march their way to the Western Conference Finals and find themselves against the Warriors. Uh, I'll even you know well, it looks like it looks pretty unlikely actually that the Nuggets would have home court advantage in that scenario. So uh, how many games does it go? How many how many games do the Nuggets take a series against Golden State too? Oh God. Uh, I think they probably get one in a game three or a game four at Pepsi Center, uh, where Golden State's just chucking the ball around and not really caring, knowing that they have the series in the bag and they let, it's basically a gentleman sweep. Uh, that's what I would predict. I would, I would be with you. I think the gentleman sweep is, uh, is what you'll see because, We've seen this happen. If, if Golden State's not knocking down their shots, which uh, doesn't happen all that often, but we've seen it happen a couple of times against the Nuggets. If they're not, if they're not knocking down their shots, uh, and the Nuggets are, uh, we've seen Denver be able to basically run away with it. So um, I, I could see that, yeah, happening for a game. But I don't think there's. I mean, there's. It, there were some people, especially last season. It's it's funny now how just two games can totally change your perspective. But you know, especially at the last season, there were people who were saying, "Oh, the Nuggets could actually, you know, maybe even win a series." Uh, against Golden State, look how well they play against them. I mean, it, I think it's painfully obvious, right, that this team would have no chance uh, in a series against the Warriors. I agree. There's there's a clear-cut area of concern for Denver that the Warriors decided after Denver won the first game, barely, by the way, uh, that mm-hmm. the Nuggets that that the Nuggets were at least not even a threat, but a concern if Golden State didn't try. So they decided, okay, now we're going to try. And lo and behold, Golden State wins both of these games pretty handily. 
right. I don't think that should be any surprise for Nuggets fans that the, the talent gap is just that great. When you have two top five players on your roster and the Nuggets don't have any players to defend those players. Like I thought Torrey Craig had a had an A plus defensive game against Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant still went 10 of 15 from the field. Uh, that's that's right. like that's the best the Nuggets can really hope for. Is that what we're doing here? Uh, that's a concern for sure. Uh, I wouldn't predict the Nuggets to win any more than one game in a playoff series. Yep. And, and this was a concern that I had from the beginning that I thought that the Nuggets needed to go out and get a tall wing defender if they can do everything in their power to get somebody to match up with Kevin Durant. Get some get anybody that you can to match up with Steph Curry if you can. Uh, maybe forego some of the offense because you know that that's not going to help you in a series with Golden State. So maybe it will. I don't know. I, maybe the Nuggets come to play and they, they shoot. Uh, they put up a 120 offensive rating for the entire series or something absurd. But I just don't really see that. I don't see the Nuggets matching up really well with Golden State. And I don't think that they win any more than one game. That's sad. Right. All right, so obviously Golden State, that's a team that the the Nuggets are going to avoid uh, at all costs against the or in the in the playoffs, but we'll most likely have to run go through at some point. Uh, but give me this, Ryan. So what do you, what do you where a, I guess a where do you think the Nuggets are going to end up this year, and and what do you think? How does that shake out in terms of their path to the Western Conference Finals? I think it's going to be close, but I still think that I still think that they end up with the two seed. If the Nuggets go ten and seven over their last seventeen games, and that puts them at fifty three wins, fifty three and twenty nine, and I don't think any team exceeds that. Uh, the The Rockets may well tie them, uh, but the Rockets would have to go thirteen and four. They won Sunday night, so we'll we'll see what happens with with what they end up doing. So they'd actually need to go twelve and four over the last 16 games of theirs to crack 53 wins. But if the Nuggets get the tiebreaker against Houston, then I think that they could actually keep the two seed. So we just have to see how that goes. But I would say that they keep the two seed, and I think that that will put them in a position where they play either San Antonio or the Los Angeles Clippers in the first round, depending on who gets the seven seed. I would expect that to be San Antonio, but I don't really know. Right. Huh. I So here's the thing. I, I We were talking a little bit about this before we got into it. Um, and I think I think they're actually probably going to have a hard time uh, staying ahead of the Rockets because the Rockets have such an easy schedule. You're right, though. I mean, they, they, um, they are going to have to play very well down the stretch. They're not going to have a lot of chance for slip-ups as long as the Nuggets are able to take care of business in the games that they should and then also maybe steal a game here and there. You know, and, you know of course you expect them to drop one here there they maybe should. But they could if they end out somewhere in that like what 10 and 7 uh range like you said, um it's going to be tough to get past them. Yeah, like I, for example, I I gave them a loss against the Indiana Pacers on the road, and I gave them a loss mm-hmm. against the Boston Celtics on the road, and those are those are two games that are in the next seven that I think the Nuggets have a pretty high chance of losing. But if they won either of those two games, that makes it that much harder right. for Houston to reach the two seed threshold. So either way, I think we're going to see. Denver in the three seed or the two seed and Houston in the two seed or the three seed as well. So that's a, that's a second round matchup that I don't think Nuggets fans really want to hear, but that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. That's the bummer about it is you really wanted Houston to fall back to that four or five. So you could avoid them. Um, pretty much you would just basically be avoiding them throughout the playoffs. So, uh, but you know, it is what it is and that's just the, the Nuggets are going to be, uh, they're going to be challenged and that it would be a good challenge. And let's not even get ahead of ourselves. The Spurs, uh, who just beat the Nuggets recently. I mean, that's another team that uh, could challenge them in the playoffs and, and, and make it difficult for them. I don't think either of us would have much concern about the Clippers, uh, but that would be... Um, I do not. <clears throat> no, yeah. I think, that the, uh, I think that the Nuggets would destroy the Clippers, honestly. Uh, the Spurs are more interesting, but you you have a large talent gap there. And while you think that maybe Greg Popovich closes that talent gap a little bit. I actually think that Michael Malone, given where he's at, 
uh, he has done a pretty good job with his rotations and his choices. And maybe he is actually a very good playoff coach. Uh, we don't yeah. know, though. So everything changes once you get to the playoffs. Maybe the Nuggets are terrible in the playoffs. And, and then we have a lot of other big choices and, and decisions to make in the offseason. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, exactly. We're, we are fixing to find out, as they say. All righty. Well, we are going to hit the break. Uh, and then when we come back, we'll go ahead and we will look forward to the upcoming week that is for the Denver Nuggets. They are, have got, of course, like I said, Minnesota Timberwolves coming up tonight. Another 830 game, man. These games are, these tips, tip, 830 tip-offs are rough. Hey, man, I've got a 1030 like tip-off over here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, but you're young. You're on spring break. I don't want to hear about it. Hey, man, uh, I'm, I'm, no... No, I'm no spring chicken anymore. I'm, I'm slowing down just yeah, a right. little bit. It's tough. Yeah, that's right. You've I'm, I'm, I'm chilling and relaxing with my cats, man. They, they get me up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> uh, whatever, Ryan. All right, we got... <laughs> Like I said, we got that upcoming. We do have. Uh, we'll we'll break down this upcoming homestand uh, this week. Three games at home. Two of them at eight thirty with the Timberwolves tonight, kicking it off. So stick around. We will be right back. Uh, but Ryan, appreciate you being on, sir. Good to talk to you, man. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest. That's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Precisely NASA honed machine that's going on over there. That is right. <laughs> oh. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. Zach Mikosh, DenverStiffs.com. We spent the first half of the show wrapping up the week that was out in California with the win over the Lakers and the loss to the Golden State Warriors. Now we take the time to look forward to the upcoming three game homestand all happening. During this week, to break it all down, I have the host of the dig. It is Mr. Jeremy Poli. Jeremy, what's happening? Not much. Um, I was also kind of looking ahead. I mean, just the way we've been playing, um, I think it, to me, anyway, it makes it easy to to just com- quickly turn my back on and, and look ahead. So happy to be brought in for the optimistic segment. It's great. Yes, no need to talk about losing four of the last five. Jeremy is not here for that. Only here for the optimism. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Jeff Morton used to write a column called Weekly Optimism back in the day. 
It uh, it's kind of funny because I think Jeff ended up being one of the more pessimistic people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> in the Nuggets words. But I mean, and 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 I think he wrote that at a time when it was more necessary. Yes. Like uh, on Facebook today, I, I just put up, we had a um, an optimistic article up on our site, and so for Facebook, the question I was asking people was just to put on their. Uh, uh, actually, it was uh, Mares is uh, locked on Nuggets, um, learning from the Golden State Warriors game um, podcast. But uh, I had to ask people like, okay, everybody, put on your your Steve Hess optimism here, and what's the the best thing that you learned from the game? Like most optimistic thing possible. And it's just like, man, through those dark days, we at least had Steve Hess getting us <laughs> right, pumped up. Right. Whether you saw it on the uh, the the broadcast or whether you followed his Instagram, that man will get you pumped up. It's very true. Steve Hess is one guy who has uh, got found the fountain of energy. I don't know. Uh, it's like it's like you know he hit like five years old in terms of energy and just like never. That's just where it stopped. <laughs> like he stayed at that level the whole time. Uh, it's true. We don't have Steve letting us know that we need to be getting better. As yep. he would say. Um, yeah. That is that is too bad. We are way off topic. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. I think this just turned into the dig accidentally. That's right. That's that right. is my fault. I apologize. I was gonna say you could tell we got we got a host from the dig on here because we're already talking about <laughs> Steve Hess. Uh, and, can we uh, just move into food now? Can is we... that natural enough? Uh, well, you know, I had spaghetti, so it. Uh... <laughs> so now we'll stay away. Yeah, it was. It's a Monday morning or a Monday evening type of meal. <laughs> Monday morning spaghetti. That's right. I love it. Sometimes leftover spaghetti on Monday mornings when you're really going slow. All right. We're going to get back on track here. (laughs) Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. Another, oh, man, another 830 tip. This is uh, third in a row. We still got one more uh, after this. My, My sleep. Is is suffering greatly. Uh, the Nuggets oh, you're are telling me yeah. out here in East Coast. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Do you just DVR these games, or do you just power through it with a ten thirty tip off? I always I always go into them saying I'm not gonna commit myself to watching it live, but I've just been powering through these. I mean, I do the the game ball, or, or you know, at least head that up, send that to our uh, chat room to figure that out, our and so crack decision staff. It's a responsibility, and it weighs heavily on my shoulders. <laughs> you know, I, the game ball, I'm actually it, – it'd be very interesting to see it at the end of the year because it is very much – it's like one of the most and least accurate, like, uh, right. you know, determinations we have because there's no science behind it. It's just, ah, right. what do we feel like tonight? But at the same time, it's taken in the moment of like, yeah, we we're, the memory is fresh who helped the team – uh, the most tonight. So it'll be interesting to see who uh, comes out on top. I'm sure Jokic will, but uh, it'd, be nice yeah. to, it'd be actually some interesting data to look at when it's uh, at the end of the season. If if it was purely objective, I think Jokic would have like 95% of the game ball. Right, right. But that's why you need like that little bit of subjectiveness. So you right. Can, uh, so, you know, you can get bored with what Jokic is doing and give it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it. Um, getting back to the the Minnesota Timberwolves, we're trying to get to them just to even start here. Um, <laughs> so we're like you said, we've got the doom and gloom. Four of the last five now losses for the Nuggets. How I mean, how important is it for them to get this win tonight? So f- I'm actually at the point where I'm I'm so in on the playoffs that I'm just kind of like. However, we bumble along at this point, right. whether it's whether it's epic and we smash our way through this hard schedule or or whether we just kind of like, I mean, we're not going to completely walk in. You know, we're not going to have, I think, a losing schedule over the next 17 games. I would be surprised at that. Right. So so I'll give it halfway important. Like, obviously, we're, we're kind of on this bit of a downturn right now. And this is a game that we should win. And then when you throw in that little bit of spice of like making it personal from last year and losing on the last game and even all season, it was kind of like a head to head who's going to get into the playoffs or a higher seed in the playoffs between the two of us. Um, So, you know, I'll give it a little bit of that spiciness, but I'm already my mind is on the playoffs. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I can see where that's at. It's kind of fun. We're at the point now where you start like, all right, you're going to list out all the teams and where they're seated and their remaining schedules, and you start going through wins and losses and tying it up and seeing where you think everybody's going to shake out. Um, and and it's so, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you at that point. Like, as long as they just get there and they're, they're – uh, as long as they win the division, that's really my biggest thing for them right now. It's 
True. It's going to be a little... The two seed might now... It, it seemed like winning the division guaranteed the two seed. Now that might not be the case right? Um, with Houston there. But uh, I actually, though, I think this game against Minnesota is fairly important just because you lost the last two games you had at home. And, and you've been on this kind of... Uh, this little bit of, of a hiccup. And so coming back at home on national TV uh, against the Timberwolves, who, yes, are, are probably not making the playoffs this year. This could this would certainly be a, a very tough uh, loss for them to take. So you could, like you said, get some revenge that way. But, um, you know, just to get their groove back, I think it's important to get this win and say, okay, you know what we beat? We beat Minnesota, a quality team at home on national TV. We're still we're still the team that's dominant at home. We're still one of the best teams in the NBA. Everything is fine now. Let's go take care of Dallas uh, on Thursday. I think that that is important for for their their mindset. If you lose, now you're starting to question. Well, you know Dallas is pretty good, and uh, Indiana's pretty good, and then then suddenly we're on a four game East Coast road trip. You know, I, I think. Uh, you you could set yourself up for panic if uh, if you lose this game to Minnesota. So I do think it's a bit uh, a bit more important than say the Dallas game uh, this following Thursday. So uh, I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him to come out if I can if I can manage to stay awake because uh, I'm like you. I I, I sometimes <laughs> you know commit myself to I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to watch this all live. Uh, and sometimes I commit to yeah I'm going to watch this live. Uh, and then and then I about make it to about the third quarter and. Next thing I know, it's one in the morning, and I'm waking up on the couch. So <laughs> these uh, these things do happen with these A3 tips. One more to go after this. I'm a uh, I'm fighting through it. I feel uh, I feel really bad for for the gentleman. I will not. If anybody's wondering, I will not be at the Pepsi Center for either of these games. I learned that my lesson the last time. Uh, and then you don't get out of it. See, the thing is, so 8:30 tip. You don't get out of the Pepsi Center till like midnight. Uh, after the locker room and everything, so it's really, it's a tough one. On those I guys. imagine that's also like booking it, like trying to get out. Yes, and, right, and everything going nice and and smooth, and like a coach isn't gonna like sometimes you know if uh, coach is upset, he might spend a little extra time there in the locker room before he comes out, uh, mm-hmm. and which gives you more time to wait before you can go in. So, yeah, if, if everything goes smooth, you're out of there by midnight. And if nobody's ambition is and is like, hey. You want to record this podcast afterwards so right exactly <laughs> all yeah, right imagine i mean that's one thing i think people miss out on is is just being able to even speak to the other reporters that are covering it and well what were your thoughts and what's going on with you and i could see that just dragging on and dragging on it definitely uh it definitely can depending on the person somewhere somewhere <laughs> along the somewhere like holding it back you're like oh wait you got some like hot story you're getting ready to come <laughs> oh, out man. with you don't want me to you know step on your toes here i, I can see uh, i can definitely get that vibe from a couple of them but uh they will remain nameless for this exercise all right, so Jeremy, I think uh, I think Minnesota fairly important. You're kind of like, eh, it's it's somewhat important. Is it or, or if you look at these three games uh, on the homestand, uh, maybe not in terms of importance, but which one scares you the most? Which team are you the most worried about them dropping a game at home against in these next three? So I already kind of threw Minnesota under the bus um, with the Mavericks. Oh my gosh, I. That one might even be more important to win to me because Mav- the Mavericks have completely checked out at this point. It's true. Like I was just looking it up, and they lost. They've lost their last five games, and it's like, I mean, they lost to the Rockets by one point, so credit to them for that. But they also lost to the Grizzlies by thirty. <laughs> they lost to Brooklyn by like forty. They lost to the Wizards, who are also checked out, and to the Magic. So, you know, if the Nuggets lose to them, I mean. This season, they have done a really good job. As much as we're on a low point, they've done a really good job with actually sealing up a lot of the, uh, you know, not bringing it against the the lesser teams. And I think that's still an issue, but we're still walking away from those games with wins. Right. So, um, so I would be I would be really surprised if they lost that one. So count me in on the the Pacers, and I mean they're one of the better teams in the East. I, I feel like they're that fifth team at that the bottom of that top tier, and from there it kind of really drops out as far as being competitive. Um, you never know when they just jump out of the water and, and pull something down out of the sky that thought was flying away. So I don't right. even know if that's a good illustration. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's not like a real, like a cliche illustration. I was just coming up with that. But the point being, you never know when Pacers are going to just steal one away from from any of the good teams out there. 
You never know when that fish turns out to be a flying fish and jumps <laughs> was, out of the lake. I was actually picturing the Loch Ness monster, and I was thinking, <laughs> "Let me dial this down." <laughs> this, is, this is getting a little. The analogy is going to start to lose some people at Loch Ness monster. That's where we've definitely got to draw the line <laughs> on our analysis. Uh, I agree with you, though. I think Indiana is certainly the team you've got to be the most scared. That they're scared of. They're the most talented of the group. Indiana, of course, one of those teams. I mean, when when Oladipo went down. Everybody thought, okay, this is, you know, this is it. And they've, right. they've just pretty much kept chugging along. Uh, that is the first game of a big road trip for them. So you wonder where they're going to be at. They're going to have Oklahoma City at home, and then they're going to head out here uh, to play to play Denver. So you wonder where they're, they're at mentally, uh, if they'll be geared up and ready for this one, or if maybe that Denver game will be that kick in the pants for them. I don't have really any concerns about Dallas, like you said. I mean, they've been... They seem to be mailing it in. Of course, Luka Doncic could always uh, end up doing something crazy and 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 uh, you know stealing the game from Denver. I think that's your biggest concern uh, mm-hmm. with Dallas. But I've already been starting to see people talking about you know they should start they should shut Luka down uh, already um, because you know they're obviously not making the playoffs, which would be I'm sure Adam Silver would be uh, very upset if they did such a yeah. thing. I don't know unless he's injured, like has some sort of nagging injury. That's a guy who could, I think, use all the play he can get. Yeah, and... he's like 20 years old. Like, he's yeah. fine. Yeah. LeBron, who's like 34 and has played like 70,000 minutes or whatever it is, you know, uh, that I'm sure is not accurate. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I get it. Like, shut that guy down if you're not going to make the playoffs. Like, it is. But uh, it is what it is. But I mean, the the, the Luka Doncic is like you know he's he's a rookie. Like he needs he needs minutes. The, despite how good he's looked, uh, he definitely needs minutes. So I would I would not shut him down if I was uh, if I was Dallas. That would be uh, that would be odd. But I guess that's your biggest concern uh, with the Mavericks is potentially um, they could get. Uh, the, you, they could surprise you with Luka. But like you said, they certainly seem to be in full out tank. What are they? I mean, what is this? Golly, they have lost a lot of games uh in here we was at like 10 of their last 11 or something like that so yeah i was thinking they were going to be competitive for that last spot and i kind of have them neck in neck with the kings um right. and man have they just faded they so just, fast right they they just made up their mind they're like no we're good we're yeah. gonna just go ahead and it feels like that right we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna pack this in and uh and play for next season so um yeah i'm with you i wouldn't i wouldn't be too concerned with dallas and i would uh, definitely more more so look towards Indiana. All right. Um I'm gonna ask this question. We're gonna get a little bit a little bit more general in the topic, but I want to ask this question because I think it I think the answer could be this week. Um but Jeremy, obviously, so Isaiah Thomas, I thought he played his best game. I said this in the first half of the show. I thought he played his best game uh of the of the season against the Warriors simply because he played mostly within the flow of the office and just didn't try and force anything. Still did not look great. Um, I, I mean, how long do they wait? At what point do they have to say, okay, this isn't working. We need to, uh, we need to shelve this idea and move on with what, what has been working. Yeah. I mean, if I'm playing, you know, the, the backseat coach here, um, I, I pull them now, honestly, like I said, I'm, I'm looking ahead to playoffs. And at this point, I feel pretty locked in. I, I think we have a pretty obvious, like, um, solid eight-man rotation. Um, May when Lyles gets healthy, you know, it, it looks like there's a 10 minutes of – or up to 15 Just minutes of power forward that can't be there. replaced. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it doesn't have to do with – he definitely hasn't earned it, in my opinion. But his body is just needed in that position. Um, I, I think it's pretty locked up, and I think – you know, maybe we, he could figure things out and everybody else around him figure things out. And we have a beautiful second unit that's even better than before. But we had, to me, it was a top three uh, bench unit in the right. NBA. And I'm scared that we lose that. Um, and so I want to get back to that as quickly as possible and start playing playoff basketball right now. Um, but for the question, how long can Denver actually afford to wait on him? I, I actually think this could go another 10 to 12 games um oh. just because just because uh that would give you five to seven games at the end of the season to actually lock in to to your full rotation if you really want to see this thing through and really see if isaiah doesn't figure things out um honestly i to me it wouldn't be the end of the world if he was in another 10 or 12 games 
that team should be able to figure it out at that point with him with five to seven games left. That's uh, yeah, that's an interesting take. Then I, I so I, I think if you were looking at the schedule, you'd probably say, okay, if it, you haven't figured it out, um, basically by that Golden State game, if not, or or potentially even the Oklahoma City game, uh, then you're done. That Oklahoma City game will be the end of a stretch of. Uh, what will it be six of uh, seven games on the road? It's essentially like a seven game road trip because you've got one home game. You go, you're at Indiana, then you play home against Detroit, then you're at Houston. So you're basically just, you know, flying through Denver uh, on your trip. And so you're going to play a game there. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. So I could see them. Yeah, that that would be to me if it's not working at that point, uh, then you definitely you know, shut it down and you've got what the, the, yeah, the seven games left uh, to kind of try and figure it out. I kind of think though, if, if it doesn't happen this week, if you don't see something that makes you think that this is going to get better or, or that, that there's a, a change on the horizon, like uh, I think you kind of, at that point, you just, um, you, you got to move on because you're going to play, like I said, you're gonna play six of the next seven uh, on the road, seven of the next nine. In fact, if you you are still trying to figure things out, and if you're dropping these road games, and you got some decent competition in there with Boston, uh, Indiana, Houston, Oklahoma City. So you know, if you if you drop uh, a couple of those games, or if you drop a game to the Washingtons or the New Yorks uh, in there because you're you're still trying to figure things out, and Isaiah Thomas is hurting your team, you know, I mean, you have to be prepared then to really look at it and say, are we willing to give up winning the division title potentially? Give give up home court advantage in the first round to to get this right does it make that much of a difference if we can get this right that we'd be willing to give up that home court advantage i don't i mean i don't think you can can look at that in any way uh and, and make that decision and think that that's the best for the team so to be honest mm-hmm. i mean after after saturday if it's still not working i would i would probably just cut bait well i hope they listen to you <laughs> <laughs> they don't trust me <laughs> Email them. Yes. Haven't you tried that? I've tried Michael Malone at Denver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't. Uh, it has not worked out. I uh, I know there are some people have sometimes championed on the comment board that they we should call up uh, the front desk down at the Pepsi Center and uh, complain about coaches' decisions. Um, why not? Why not? A great like Instagram live video there for my social media. <laughs> it would. It will get, get you. Views. Uh, it will get you banned from the site so fast. Though. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, you can ask the one person who championed that because <laughs> all I think about is that poor girl at the front desk who's yeah. getting a bunch of crazy Denver Nuggets fans calling her up talking about pick and rolls and, you know, minutes rotations and she's just trying to get through her job. <laughs> so, uh, but I digress. Weird. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> all right let's wrap it up with this um give me your prediction jeremy where do you see him uh landing on this homestand i mean i've i've been i'm going optimistic here <laughs> and i've been pretty optimistic from the beginning that's kind of my card uh but it's worked out so far all season so i'm, I'm gonna keep it going my optimism has me at three and oh on this homestand i think indiana to me is that one questionable game but at the same time i don't think the pacers are necessarily pay- playing for anything Right. Um, I don't think they're going to bring a lot of tenacity to that game. They're, they don't really, I don't think they have much to gain. Um, they're so far from falling to six. The, the Nets are at six right now. And uh, I mean, they're technically a game ahead of the Celtics, but um, you know, I, I just don't see much jockeying around there that really changes anything for them. So they've got a pretty uh, solid safety net against the Nets. So I, I, I I think we win that one. I, I go three and zero. Yeah, that's a good point. They're eight games, eight games up in the loss column on the Nets, so that seems like they're pretty much locked into at least the top five seed. You're right. They could. I mean, they could push around. They're they're going to end up somewhere three to five. They're definitely not getting up to the two seed where Toronto's at. Um, and then they're kind of in that mix with Philly and Boston. So, uh, certainly, yeah, they're they're they're. I don't know what you're right. What do you gain? I guess you maybe game home court advantage in that first round if you're trying to st- stick ahead of Boston. Right. Um, yeah, no, it just feels like uh, business as usual for the Pacers right. when they come here. Right, and they've been struggling. They have uh, sort of, they have finally seemed to have slowed down uh, a little bit. They've losers of their three of their last four, uh, so they're they're certainly 
in a bit of a funk themselves through their last four and what five of their last seven. So, um, you know, I, I, at some point you, it, I think you think it does catch up with them, uh, especially as you know, when, when a team loses a player like Oladipo, it's, it's hard to game plan for that right away because it was so much of what they did. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe teams are starting to, I guess, get a little understanding of what, what Indiana is going to try and do to you, uh, without Oladipo. Uh, and they're and they're starting to catch on to that. So um, I'm with you though. I go three and zero. I'm all I'm on the optimism nice. train as well. Yeah, I think uh, I don't, I don't think you can look at it any other way. This team should be pissed off about losing the home games against the Jazz and certainly against the Pelicans. Uh, they should be pissed off about the fact they've lost four of their last five. They should be pissed off that they got uh, they got it handed to them once again by the. Um, Golden State Warriors. There's plenty of reasons to think that they're going to come in uh, ready to go against Minnesota. I don't think there's anything, like we said, that really scares you about Dallas other than a crazy Luka game, which uh, I'll take my chances. And then, um, like we're saying about Indiana, maybe not quite as strong as they were uh, and, and, and kind of locked into that spot. Indiana is obviously the one that you probably worry about, like we were saying before. Um, so I could see them maybe going two and one, but they need to go three and zero. Honestly, I think it's like I was talking about. Uh, they they need it for the momentum, if if nothing else, and and for that confidence to say yes, we are still uh, the team that we thought we are. And then and then that way you can roll into this four game road trip, um, or like a, basically a seven game road trip, um, with your held head held high. So I'm with you. Let's go three and zero. Nice. I like it. That's uh, yeah, that's my patented jingle trademark. <laughs> All righty. Well, I think we will we'll go ahead and we will wrap her up right there. Uh, make sure you guys are following us all on Twitter. I'm at Zach Mikosh. Jeremy is at Jeremy Poli. Uh, Ryan's the only one who mixes it up for you. He's at NBA Blackburn. Apparently, there's another Ryan Blackburn on Twitter uh, who already gra- grabbed that handle from him. So we can't stick with the theme because the rest of it is at Pickaxe Pundits, at Denver Stiffs. It's all right there in the name. Uh, make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You want to catch the pregame, postgame press conferences for these three upcoming home games. You will find them there. So make sure you are subscribed. Also, make sure you are following us and giving us a like over on Facebook. These are all things that Jeremy appreciates. It helps him to eat, which is very important. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is uh he's been uh well no I, I say you know social media has been been pretty good this year so jeremy's nothing but flame and yawns over at the poli household these days nice <laughs> see i should have just asked you for an illustration before you started this podcast there you go there you go all righty uh mr poli uh, as always sir appreciate you being on all right thank you for having me all right everybody we'll talk to you next week <laughs>